Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 1, season 25. We are back, post Monte Carlo uh, and in 2022. Happy New Year to you. Seems somewhat sarcastic saying that, because normally autosport used to be the cutoff. I think, didn't it Jack, for saying Happy New Year? I kind of... People still said it in the autosport show, and then it was kind of after that was sarcastic. Always felt I like think it. I refuse. I refuse to say after January the second. I think. Did you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I can imagine that because you are you, you you are a grumpy old man in a young body. <laughs> um, not at the moment. I'm not. But speaking of grumpy old men, Trevor Agnew. I'm not grumpy at all. I got the prediction right for Monte Carlo in that I got Galmish, Vélez, and Nagel as the one, two, three. <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> where, where where's the proof? Uh, I've written it down in my book here, I'll show you. <laughs> Ryan I know I was all ready for the preview programme, I didn't realise I had to wait for another season. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry, I know you, I know these seasons offend you, but um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, the only reason why I keep doing seasons now is because I know they niggle you so much. <laughs> they don't at all. It's, it's like it's being in a married that. couple, you just still do those <laughs> things. So uh, there you go, and we've got we've got our own... Our, man, our own man from Del Monte, Ryan Champion, who has a, as ever, as at an airport. Ryan Champion, hello. <laughs> hello, hello, and uh, and welcome to the new season. What's a, so? What number season are we now? We're, we're season twenty-five, believe it or not. Oh dear. Is, is that like an anniversary? What 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 is that? Like a silver anniversary or something? I, I don't know. Do you know what? I, I need to. I, I'll, 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 I'll feel like I should put my finger to my ear and ask my engineer and researcher like they do in professional programs but if I do that all I'm going to do is press the headphones harder into my head so that'll be pointless <laughs> but I'll google it while somebody else is talking um Ryan Champion I started the 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 the, the craze of um being 47 and and going quite well on a couple of events then you went and won the RAC and then some other blokes just superseded you how do you feel about it uh, well, I think it's it's good for the old boys, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I've, I've got no problem with it at all. <laughs> um, and I'm purposely not asking Jack Benyon, Trevor Agnew. Genuinely, joking aside, hand on heart, were you shocked by the result? Um, no, because I put money on. <laughs> did you? I did at fourteen to one. Wow! Why would you not? It's how, incredible. And, and how many how many English pounds did you win? Uh, a few quid, yeah. I've got a minute. How much did you win? 300 quid. <laughs> Get in! <laughs> so our delayed Christmas party. My God. That's good effort. Well, well I, I, I posted the odds and I was expecting Jack Benyon to be all over it. At least put a fiver on him. <laughs> 14 to 1 was incredible. Wow. And I put them on Twitter. Do I don't know, know how many people jumped on it, but... Uh, but are you trying to... Are you trying to lay claim now to people winning money all over the world because of you? No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want anybody to take my hands. <laughs> yeah, you talk about luck. Mm. You make your own luck, Trev. There's no such thing as luck. You tell us this all the time. I, well, I just thought, you know, first event with all new cars. And everybody talks about, you know, the likelihood they're going to be more unreliable or less reliable. And there's less to go wrong with them, I think, apart from the hybrid. And if hybrid quits, then the car will still drive. You just lose a bit of time on boost. Yeah. Jack Benyon, of course, um, our, 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 our little Twitter family all got probably just as excited for you as he did for <laughs> Sebastian Loeb winning. How did you, how, how were you over the weekend 
I'm, I'm still alive. That's the first thing that the listeners need to know. I've not uh, spontaneously combusted. Or... But was Sunday afternoon where you kind of spent? Was that kind of like <laughs> almost like after sex where you just rolled over another cigarette? Is that is it's that what the, it was like? It's the if anyone is a football fan, then it's the it was the equivalent of the noise that Gary Neville makes when Fernando Torres scores <laughs> for Chelsea that time when he goes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit like what I was like on on Sunday, but yeah, what a result! I mean, you know, we, I think we all doubted him really. I don't think anyone really expected him to turn up and and beat the likes of Sebastian Ogier uh, over the course of a, a whole weekend. But obviously, the the uncertainty over the over the new cars and um, you know, Lowe being away from from the WRC and more specifically away from the Monty for for even a little bit longer than he's been away from the WRC. So uh, I don't think anyone can honestly say that they really thought he was going to win, even if they did put money on him to win. So Well, you yeah. wouldn't have because you're a co-driver and had never been in the World Rally Car. <laughs> the same as Benny V has. So you would have excluded both Sebs in that ground. <laughs> well, no, in, 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 in fairness, um, Isabella had been in a World Rally Car. Um, yeah. Uh, on French tarmac events. She hadn't done well, a well. One of these brand new ones, Tony, for God's sake. No, I, sorry, Jesus. I told you, he's off. How, how many minutes in are we? Hey, <laughs> wow. I'm only reflecting what Jack said uh, about five years ago. Right, okay. And what did Jack say five years ago? Just remind our listeners, because we get new listeners all the time, Trev, believe it or not. I think it was in Yarmo letting them go back. And, and lose quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, lose quite, quite, <laughs> quite a lot weekly. Yeah. <laughs> we expand and contract accordingly. Co- Coffee Gate got rid of quite a few of them, I thought. <laughs> yeah, Coffee Gate did. Coffee Gate. Do, I, I, do you know, I'm, I forget, Trev, you need to help me out here. Isabella Galish, is that why you said that right? Galmish, I Galmish. think. Okay. Yeah, Galmish, okay. Galmish. I would say if there was a way of checking, or the guys behind EWRC uh, is a way of checking who was the most looked at profile over the weekend on EWRC, I, re- I reckon it was hers. Yeah, I agree. Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. Probably, probably most of them, her, uh, her, her math students who didn't know she was a rally co-driver before the start of the event. <laughs> Do you know what? You have to be really... Did you see there's been... And I'm, I'm, I don't really need to tread carefully with this at all, but uh, the, the reference point that of her being a maths teacher was used by Top Gear on one of their tweets. Uh, Sebastian Loeb and a math teacher wins Monte Carlo. <laughs> I don't think she'll uh, be offended by that just because it's it's purely, um, you know, said in jest, isn't it? That and, you know, it's, uh, I think, it, I think, it, I think it's cutting, cutting the line a bit close for me, but I, I, I can kind of see what they're getting at. And it's such a big audience that they'll, you know, they'll need the excuse that they need to make rallying interesting. And that's the, the kind, of per, kind of perfect way to do it. Mm, I suppose so. Well, it was a phenomenal effort to, to get into that, and you could see over the first couple of days in particular how relaxed the both were. Uh, it's just fantastic to see. So one of the most challenging events as a co-driver, and to get into these new cars with a hybrid technology, and of course there's lots more that they need to do in regard to that, even between stages. Uh, just phenomenal, fantastic. Right, I'm going to bring you in at this point. Obviously, we, we, we were all watching. Was there any shocks for you, apart from... You know, we've we just talked about, of course, um, low winning, but should it be a shock? I don't Anyway, but, but aside from all that, with the new cars, was there any, was there anything that you kind of went, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that? Um, 
I, I don't know if there was any any big shocks. I, I, I guess it, it's kind of the opposite, if you like. It, it was probably the, the the slight disappointment of uh, of Hyundai, and then we know they were late in terms of development, but still with the with the huge infrastructure they've got, you um, you know you, you expect the, the budget, the infrastructure to, uh, to to be there pretty much straight away, and, and obviously they they were definitely on the back foot. Now they, they showed signs of promises, uh, of promise rather, I should say, but it, it was a pretty underwhelming performance from them wasn't it generally um and i just wonder trev uh, of course they they've had some restructuring going on adamo left beforehand well documented in 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 in, in other areas of of of, of media etc did was this a situation and it is pure speculation was this a reason why he left because he didn't feel they were up to speed or was the responsibility on him and that's why they weren't up to speed? What, what do you think? Uh, we're only guessing, aren't we? Um, yeah. We might be able to find out, you know, when he eventually goes where he's going, there might have been something around that that he had to finish at the end of the calendar year. There's loads of different things we're only speculating, but it's certainly... First and foremost, they were late to the game compared to the other two manufacturers. Uh, that whole... Uh, showcase thing that they did in Italy about rep, you know, replicating a rally, that was with a car that, you know, was was a car that was never going to be the one they were going to use so that was a bit of a smoke screen I feel um, and of course you've got Christian Norio there who isn't going to, you know have a car that's not right but whether this first car has got much of his markings on it, I'm not sure but you'd like to think when Christian gets his uh, his head into it, you know, get gets his mark on it, that it'll be a better car because it's no different to last year. You look at how Neville's car let him down quite a bit, and that's continued into this year, even though it's brand new. And as I say, in some cases, there's less to go wrong with them. You know, no paddle shift, uh, no active centre drift, the usual things that potentially they've had issues with in the past. Jack, um, we just mentioned Thierry there. Thierry was, was actually, as ever, he doesn't kind of hold back. He was quite vocal on a, on a number of issues I think he had over the weekend, and even teammates being one of them. Yeah, uh, I didn't really think that was... You know, the, the best move from him really, it made him sound a bit like a, a spoiled child, in my opinion. Everyone knows how much of a big fan of Thierry Neuville I am, but yeah, I, I didn't think uh, his comments about Oliver Solberg continuing through the, um, the, the fumes that he was getting in the cockpit was, was, uh, you know, I think you've got to be sat in that cockpit to make that decision. You know, you guys have all been competitors and you all know at which point that it is starting to get a bit dangerous or, or that it's affecting your performance significantly. So I don't think it's up to another driver to, to comment on that unless they're, you know, driving the car personally. So that was a bit of a an upset. But yeah, I, I agree with what Trevor said. And the only thing I'd add to it was I, I don't think it, I don't think we can rule Hyundai out yet as, you know, out of the title hunt or, or out of the Constructors' Championship. They've had a difficult start to the season. They've lost their team boss. You know, clearly there were uh, problems with the previous car and we've seen some some little niggly bits of, of reliability you know in this rally but it's the first rally of a new era and maybe the fact that there were so few problems with the hybrid and there were so few problems generally with the, the other manufacturers that it's put a, a bigger spotlight on Hyundai than perhaps would have happened you know in previous rule cycles where the other manufacturers have brought new cars as well and you know there's been um, you know more significant problems for the other teams as well so I think um, you know, it's, it's possible that Hyundai are in a real hole here and are in a lot of trouble, but it's also possible that they've got a few niggly issues that they can iron out before, um, you know, it, it gets too hurtful for their championship campaign. Um, right. Just, just, just looking at it and, you know, obviously Oit had his problems as well. And, um, obviously just talked about 
Oliver. Um, it's benefit of hindsight. We're only one event in, but I think I think everybody uh, deep down, you know, rally fans, you know, especially the Oitanic fans, thought that maybe um, this would be the reset button for Oit because you know the the old car really wasn't his and. You know, this was going to be a new car he was going to step into and stuff. Obviously, there was a couple of stakes times there for him. But uh, again, he, you know, uh, somebody made a comment. There was, I think there was an image of him talking to Malcolm at the end. And it's the happiest they've seen him for two years in that one photograph or something, which is massively unfair. But again, it's just not no harmony, perhaps. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. Well, he did look quite happy in that conversation on the uh, on the quayside <laughs> in in uh, Monte Carlo, the finish chatting to, uh, like you say, Malcolm and and some of the other uh, M Sport team. Um, but it, it's yeah, he, he's obviously committed his future to Hyundai Motorsport, um, and he's got to make it work for his career. He's got to make it work, um, and and I think as, as Trevor said, I'm, I'm sure with with Christian Laurier there, they'll they'll develop this car through the year they'll develop it quickly but uh you know we've heard in the past about about um the korean management maybe not been the the most patient and really wanting to see results and you know they're, they're investing a vast amount of money in the in the championship and uh we, we need some success for them because uh you know we certainly want to them want them to stick around the championship for a while so uh you know let's let's hope they do get things on a, an even keel pretty quickly but you know, at, at times, none of none of the team members looked very happy, did they? They all had their own issues. It was a, a tough start for for Oliver as a as a factory driver. You know, from from the first stage with whatever intercom issues or, or whatever that was. I mean, that's that's a strange thing to have in this day and age because um, you know intercom systems, helmets, etc., are very very good. So you don't expect to have a, a problem of, of communication now. And and like you said, I had a difficult weekend. I mean, he, when he retired, it didn't look that bad enough to retire from even. So quite quite why the you know that car was retired. I don't think we exactly know that one either. And then uh, yeah, and then uh, and then obviously mechanical issues for, for Thierry as well. So they uh, they really do have a lot of work to do. I, I, I think so. I just wonder, Trev. You know, that maybe some of the strategies behind retiring the cars is—is um, is this preservation? Because you know, how many how many cars will they have built? Obviously, Sweden's round the corner. Is this one of those ones where you know what? We'll, 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 we'll live to fight another day. Let's get these let's get these cars back because what one thing we can't afford to do is be in a position where you know cars are, are, are further damaged or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's damage, of course, there's engine and hybrid systems to take into consideration. It used to be transmission as well. I'm not au fair with those rules as to how many sets of everything they've got and paired events. And so that has to be considered as well. And you used to see that in Sweden, for example, where a differential set maybe didn't actually work there, but it worked in Mexico and some of the other events. So there's some sort of compromise. Um, yeah, there's always those elements that people forget about that have to be played in. And, you know, the other thing, it was effectively a dry tarmac rally wasn't it and you go to Sweden and then you're into uh, Croatia that's a dry tarmac rally then those cars such as uh, as uh, Oliver Solberg you know you could actually do a little bit of testing around that on a live event difficult when there's no service in the middle of the day but you know those are the sorts of areas that you'd be looking at to try and 
make the most out of the opportunity that you had there. Um, but the whole Oliver Solberg thing, you know, if it's getting to the point where his eyes are watering, uh, like that stuff is lethal. Ryan, I and you, Tony, especially over the years, we've ingested a fair bit of fuel fumes and it's not great, but the fuel they use in modern cars is definitely not a good thing to be sucking in. And the earliest possible stage of that, if I, certainly if I was involved in the team management and it was an issue where eyes were watering, I'd seriously consider pulling that car because what happens, you know, he did have an off and, you know, reading between the lines, he sort of looked at that as if, well, maybe that's contributed to it. That's not a good situation to be in, having your driver drive like that. So I would, a lot of empathy for Oliver and Elliot if it was that bad and you can only trust them that it was. Um, I, I, there was there was a stage end quote Jack from from Thierry. I don't know whether you picked up on this one, but it was I've never been so scared while driving. Whether you picked up on that stage end? Yeah, I definitely heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, yeah. He, um, it, especially the first day, he was really, really struggling with the car, wasn't he? He really felt like he was taking massive risks to to even be anywhere near the the conversation on on the first day, wasn't he? So, yeah, it's uh, tr- really tricky rally for him, and they've definitely got big problems there. There's no doubt about that. I think so. I think so. Um, we, 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 I suppose I'm, I'm saving, I'm saving M Sport Ford because there's, apart from obviously, unfortunately, right, Adrian Formo's accident, which, you know, if you can take anything from it, just shows, you know, how the safety cell works. That, that was the big thing over the weekend, which everybody keeps on referring to, obviously, end up looking like a pickup truck, but that's kind of designed to fail like that. Everything else, is it's just a win-win, isn't it, for M-Sport this weekend? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it was a real shame for, for Adrian Fulmer and for the team. You know, I think uh, the, the team, Rich, particularly said that, uh, you know, they, they really wanted to see him get some more mileage in, and, and I'm sure he did himself. He was he was showing flashes of, of speed and speed in that particular stage. So, you know, home rally, it, it, it was important. He got a bit more mileage, so so that was the uh, the big black mark against uh, M Sport from the weekend but as you said the rest of it was really fantastic I mean uh, you know each of the drivers couldn't have praised the the new Puma more highly they all loved driving it they all said just how capable the car was Um, you know obviously Gus Greensmith had more than his fair share of of critics and for him to take a a fastest stage time and to say how happy he was in the car is, is great for the team Craig did a a very strong job he he maybe wasn't comfortable he, he maybe wasn't as relaxed as he wanted to be probably not the car because he he said all along that um you know the car was great but he just felt he, he didn't have confidence in in the notes in, in driving on monte carlo with not having done it so well so to come away with a oh so much so so to come away with a, a podium is a is an incredible result um and where do we go with the win <laughs> i mean uh, uh to see sebastian Loeb, um you know just incredible uh, i don't know if any of us really thought at the end he could actually hold off sebastian auger i think uh, i just expected auger just to just to shade him at the end and it to be a, a great second place but to to actually take that win i mean it, it's just a, a a great story for for rallying in general isn't it i, th- I, I wonderful i tell you what i did didn't, I didn't quite realise uh, at the time until until after the event, to be honest with you, Jack, was the jump start on the final stage by Sebastian Rogier. <laughs> and just, you know, and I know I, I was watching the coverage with, with the sound down, to be honest with you, because I was sneakily watching the coverage as well. Um, so I, I didn't I, was, I didn't hear Julian's commentary until I watched the, the catch-up highlights as well. And, geez, you know, if, if that jump start wouldn't have been in, 
would this would this be in a different conversation? <laughs> it would have been very very close. Sorry, well, it was Trevor, half a second in the end without the jump start, wasn't it? In favour yeah. of Lowe. Yeah, exactly, it's half second. Yeah, it was just just cleverly managed by Lowe. Go on, Shaq. Sorry. I was just going to say, just moving on from from what you were saying there and uh, uh, what Brian was saying as well about M Sport. I think they've kind of gone, um, you know, relatively uncredited in this result in terms of Sebastian Loeb because, you know, we looked at what he, um, you know, what he was able to do on the Monty in, in 2020 with the Hyundai, and you know, he wasn't in, he wasn't really in the conversation. So, you know, Sebastian Loeb has not gone away and suddenly become a much better rally driver. Um, He's he's taken a lot of confidence in this car and and the, the 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 way the car's been built the the quality of the of what M Sport's been able to bring to the table has been a big part in in him being able to win the rally. He's not done it on his own, and I, I just think um, I've not really heard too many people talking about the 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 trouble that Loeb has had. Um, you know, even on the Monty, you know, it's obviously people looking back saying, you know, how many uh, Montes he's won and and how it's um, you know basically a home event and and one that he's you know, been extremely successful in the past, but he was uh, he was really struggling with the Hyundai back in in 2020. So to to yeah, come out, everybody struggled with Hyundai and Tarmac apart from Neville. Yeah, yeah, but d- d- doesn't that just add to it though? That, yeah, you know, yeah. L- looking at the the ability that Sebastian has, uh, you know, many people argue that he's basically um, you know the car, the the Citroens are all designed for him and, and built towards him, which is you know fair. And, and the Hyundai wasn't in that sense, but. I just think um, a lot of credit deserves to go to, to M Sport for having a, a drivable car and, and one that Loeb was able to, to jump in without a, a whole lot of testing and uh, and yeah, be able to, to deliver that result. And he had done and, Dakar, and a, and a busy he had done week. Dakar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had done Dakar. Said. He'd been on sand. It was close. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. It's, it's, it's OJ as well, isn't it? I think I think you know Sebastian OJ is a, a driver who we all know has supreme self confidence, not to the point of of necessarily being outwardly arrogant, but you know everyone knows that he feels that he is you know, the best out there or, or at least in the conversation. But when it comes to Sebastian Loeb, there always feels like there's a, a little bit of doubt. And I just wonder on the Sunday, would, would OJ have taken those cuts if, if he hadn't been going up against Sebastian Loeb? You know, has, has OJ taken more risks than he's, than he's used to because he wants to beat Sebastian Loeb? And, you know, would, would we be having the same conversation if there was another driver in there? And it's, uh, it's an interesting, um, kind of line of um, the, the whole mentality around the, the victory, you know, whether, um, you know, whether Sebastian Auger would have been in that position if it hadn't, if he'd have been up against anybody else other than Sebastian Loeb. But, you know, no, the fact I, that, I the fact that, that Loeb put him under that pressure. My- I had that exact point on my part. Even 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 the tire choices where where OJ saw uh, what tire choice Loeb had and, and made a quick switch. Um, you know, he might have even won that stage um, because one of the other Toyotas won the won the stage where they'd switched tires. So, um, you know, he might have even built up a big enough gap where uh, the puncture wouldn't have mattered in the end. But you know, it's it's all it's obviously it's all we can uh, break down the rally at the end of it for for every stage and work it out in in different in each driver's favour, can't we? But I just think they're all interesting points that that kind of make up this battle. No, I couldn't agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Trev, I, I, there's a couple of things I want to I, I want to mention to you just before we we, we talk about the 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 the, 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 the OGA Loeb kind of mind games. You know, potentially that that, that could have happened. Um, when a new car comes out, and you know, M Sport are, are very proud of this record, um, and you see Malcolm on the events, you know, again now, and obviously Rich is there as well as team principal as well. Of course, we've got Rich coming up a little bit later on. But I just I just wonder, and I'm going to use a, a, a business analogy here, but I can remember working in massive organizations, and, um, and then I started my own company, and it's a much smaller organization, but we're much more agile. 
Um, and that's seen as a, an advantage by some of the companies that we work with. And the analogy somebody used to me was when we use big companies, it's like we're waiting for a cruise ship to turn around. Mm-hmm. And when we use a company of your size, it's like a speedboat because you can change direction in, uh, you know, literally at the drop of a hat because we're dealing with the people who are making the decisions. It's not going through a chain of command. And I just wonder that's where that's M Sports real strength is when you've got the boss there and if you've got a, you know a sebastian Loeb or whatever this who says can we do this and he can just say yes is that yeah. is that the true the true strength really of m sport it'll certainly help and this whole family environment that everybody talks about and to pick up on what jack was saying all of the drivers on the forwards well maybe not uh formal because he didn't get a chance but all three of them were raving about the car i didn't see that with any of the other teams uh first off but also craig breen in particular was praising the people who built the car the people back at the factory and that's the difference you know you get someone like craig and paul in the team who understand that who've been through the m sport ladder of opportunity and uh well, we definitely saw it with Ogier when he was there as well, this whole family environment. And all of what you're saying is right. Malcolm's on the rally, of course, a lot more Ford personnel. As we know, there's more Ford involvement this year with the Puma brand in particular. And from a commercial point of view, of course, they want Formo to do well because probably that's where the Red Bull money's coming through. Um, interesting, just uh, on the on the subject of Malcolm as well, uh, I noticed in one of the articles on Dirtfish, he was praising Craig to get a podium is absolutely a dream start for him, especially if you see that both Sebs will probably not be doing the whole championship. What do you read into that? Um, not as much as probably you. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would he say they're not doing it? Well, we know we know what the deal. Well, obviously he knows what the deal is with Sebastian Ogier. That's well documented. He's sharing the car with with Lappy. Uh, Sweden Lorenzo Biatelli is back in 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 a fourth car, so we know Loeb's not going to be there. And we also know Loeb, Loeb has got an agreement. I think the Pro Drive give him special dispensations going drive for M Sport. Yeah, and he signed up to Extreme E now as well. So yeah. <laughs> it's just why well, do you not just say well, you're not be doing the championship? No, but 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 but, but no, I. I, I I suppose, let, let me play devil's advocate just a little bit here as well, guys. Let's, I'm going to ask you first, right? And we've, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask you the question and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss around the question. In it. If the decision was available to give him a full season, would you give him a full season? Uh, Sebastian Loeb we're talking about. Yes. I, I, I don't think he'd want it, honestly. No, 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 but... but if you were in a position, if he if if he wanted it, would you give it to him now? Yes. Jack. Yeah. Trevor. Of course. Who else would you put in there? That's okay. the point. And the, uh, and that is the scary point. Now, are we taught? And I know the answer to this, but I'll come to you first, Rye. Um, we've talked quite a lot about glass ceilings and. You know, drivers losing opportunities. And ironically, I think even, you know, when Sebastian Lowe was at Hyundai, um, we, we, we've used that as, as, as well with, with regards to Craig Breen. So are we being slightly two faced by saying, yes, we would keep him in the car? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, absolutely. But 
uh, not only is a proven winner, he's, he's uh, you know, he's a world champion that, that that has just been to these rallies, seen it all, done it all. It's ingrained in him, as we saw at the weekend. He, he can turn up, give him a car to do the job, and he does it even now. And uh, and that's the difference between a, a driver of his calibre, a, a world champion of his calibre. You know, whether whether we want to go down the argument of who's best, it's irrelevant. He's arguably one of the best ever. Uh, whether you want Auger, Loeb, or if it's somebody arguing for Kankin and whoever it is, he's one of the best ever. And there isn't many <laughs> of the best ever drivers kicking around. And and, and he's just proved that um, he, he certainly isn't over the hill and he can still do the job. So, yes, it's unfortunate, but if you were in that position, you, to, you'd put the very best driver in that car, and he's just proved he is still one of the very best drivers. Okay, I, I, I know the answer, Jack, but um, how do you square the circle in, in your head? Because you, were, I think, if memory serves, you were one of the people who, who kind of, you know, mentioned this with regards to limiting, you know, chances for younger drivers. Yeah, it's true. You know, there's there's always that argument to have when you when you're keen to see young drivers coming through, and then you you know you've got someone of of Sebastian's age in the car. But there's 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 no argument you can make to not having him in the car. You know, if you uh, maybe Craig's the the outlier, but certainly uh, Gus and Adrian, uh, you know, over the course of a season, you'd have to put your money on Sebastian Lowe finishing higher in the championship than those two guys in a, in a full season. And obviously they've got a lot less experience and they haven't been given that opportunity to, to go and win nine championships yet. But it's, it's a, it's a no brainer from a, you know, if you're a manufacturer and you're a team owner and you want to see that car as high as possible, you've got to put Lowe in. But I do think the, the fatigue of a, a whole season would be, you know, a lot for him to, to overcome. Um, you know, we've seen him do so well in the Monty. Um, you know, I know I mentioned that, you know, he didn't do so well with a, with a Hyundai there, but in the past, it's always been an event that he's been, you know, sensational on. Uh, you know, would he be able to, to maintain the level of performance that we've seen from him this weekend over the course of a whole season on multiple services, different rallies, some that he's not been to? I think it would be extremely difficult. I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but it would, it would definitely be a challenge. So I don't think, I don't think the conversation here is that we're missing out on the, you know, the, the guaranteed 2022 world champion, Sebastian Loeb, because he's not doing the whole season. I think it's a lot more complicated than that, but it would be nice to see him out for a few more rallies, given what we've seen this weekend. A reminder that he is still, as Ryan mentioned, at this level and able to do it when there's been doubts over whether, you know, he, he, he is in that level. Because even Turkey, when he, when he did Turkey in 2020, I don't think he would have been on the podium if it wasn't for the, you know, the, the carnage that was going on there. So uh, I think it's, it's reminded us all how good Sebastian Loeb is after, 2020 um and and also uh, reminded us that he's he's definitely not over the hill but uh, a full season is a a big ask trev at what age could you could did you end up stopping doing backflips <laughs> I can do two. You can only do one. <laughs> it's no, impressive. It, yeah, but you need your wheelchair to do it. It's lovely, isn't it? You do it on a uh, half pipe. Mm, <laughs> no, exactly. Trev uh, we're, this is a, there's no reason why, only the fact that I'm just coming to you because I've been speaking to the other two, but where's the cut-off age-wise then? There is none. And everybody talked, I remember this with Chris Meek as well, if, if you can do the job, what does age matter? It's a number. Hmm. Okay. I agree, especially given how far, you know, physiotherapy and uh, preparation and even diet and stuff like that has come over the past you know, well, even over the last 10 years, but especially over the last 
20 or 30 um, and, and going back to the start of, of Sebastian Loeb's career. So there's, there's no, the, Trev's right, age is literally a number. It wouldn't be a thing if you didn't know it was there. Um, but it's, it's also experience, Jack. You know, the last time he was yeah. in a proper tower in Spain, he won it on a tyre choice because he knew, he linked back to, to information he had before. Who would you put in the car instead of Loeb? Look at who they've used in the past. You've got Temo Sunan, you look like Pontus Tiedemann. Um, would you put someone like that back in the car instead of Sebastian Loeb? Not if you want to win the championship for the manufacturers, I wouldn't have thought. I've got to say, Trev, did, did you just say the last time he was in a proper car referring to the Citroen C3 WRC? A car that he was comfortable in. Because <laughs> clearly he was then. Sorry, yeah. had, that, to, that, had, had to pull that out, as well. well, there you go. And I can think back to Monte Carlo, the last time he was competitive in Monte Carlo when he was in a DS3. Um, so... Again, this is this expectation that he he wasn't so competitive in the helm deck because, like everybody else apart from Neville, it didn't work for him. He couldn't get it to his liking. So everybody just sort of thinks, okay, well, that's the make of the man is he'll get into a car he's comfortable in, which he said, and Green and Greensmith, that the car is amazing and he gets in it and makes it work. And, you know, that's, that's how he won it. Uh, boys, I'm just conscious of time. Also conscious, really, we we haven't spoke too much about about the Toyotas. Um, obviously, um, Elvin was going so well, uh, and I'm assuming it was tyre choice right or whatever. But um, he, I think he came out of a tricky section, looked looked perfectly dry, just and that corner just seemed to tighten, and, and it was just heartbreaking. You know, a foot a foot or so away from the side of the stage, and it was game over. Yeah, I don't know if it was lucky or unlucky because if he'd gone a bit further down, it, but but having said that, it looked if he put it in reverse, he could have dropped on the road below. But yeah, I think he would have dropped on the roof. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Yeah. Might might need some new 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 panels at the back end. But yeah, remember the suspension. Yeah, Ryan would have tried that without even there wouldn't have even been a, a flicker of thought there. He would have just whacked it in reverse. <laughs> And it's just load it gently down. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the J turn as he went off to get the car pointing forward. It's, um, it, there was uh, there was echoes of the Monza rally, wasn't there, from uh, the year before last. Um, it was a similar corner, a uh, similar angle, and a similar outcome, just no snow. Um, yeah, shame for Elvin because you know he, he looked like he was uh, he was very comfortable in in third. He wasn't so far back from the from the Sebs, and uh, you know he was he was going about his weekend quite nicely, and, and he, he looked to be coming away with. Uh, uh, if we if we go back to what we we're just talking about, the de facto championship lead. Um, so it is a shame that it uh, that it turned out the way it did for him. Um, uh, but you know the the big turnaround of the weekend came from Cali Rovenpera. I mean, early on in the rally, he, he just looked like he could not get on with that car. He couldn't make it work. And yet overnight, they, they made some changes, which you can only think it was, you know, suspension related geometry or, or damper settings. And, and, and suddenly he was on fire and, uh, you know, great performance from him, great stage times. And, and he looked very, very strong. So that was, that was quite an impressive turnaround and, and showed, I thought, good strength of character as well to, to come back from such a poor first evening. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Jack, um, I don't think there's any real, you know, there's, there's certainly not, not the same concerns with, re, with regards to the Toyota, what, obviously, what we've been talking about much earlier on with regards to the Hyundai. It was just one of those weekends, obviously, um, for them that, you know, Elvin going off, if Elvin had gone off, you know, Calais obviously had his issues, but he addressed those. 
it, it was you know it was one one car away really from being a you know an incredible weekend for them as well. Yeah, well, unfortunately, third has never been so important on a rally, has it? Because obviously the, the guys who finish one and two aren't doing the full season. So Craig Breen's the de facto championship leader now, isn't he? So uh, that was the big loss no, for Alvin. No, I think was it's, to... actually, it's Calais. Calais, the de facto, because he, he got five. Oh, because of the power, yeah. of the power, power stage, stage, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think uh, that was the big loss for Elvin was throwing away third there. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where it was such a, a small error that you don't want to get too critical because it was such a tiny little thing that probably could have caught out, you know, anyone in the field. But at the same time, those are the kind of things that the likes of the, the two Sebastians, you know, historically escape and, and turn into turn into podiums and, and rally wins where where others you know kind of fall foul of luck so it's a it's a difficult one to to debate but i think elvin fundamentally was just a bit unlucky there and uh, you know was was looking quite pretty at that point in terms of the uh the championship but i think cali really struggles with understeer and i think he he pretty much knew um either the pre-event test or, or just after the pre-event test that that was going to be a big problem on the at least you know initially for the for the start of the rally and it took a little while to to kind of dial that out but i think potentially maybe the weather helped as well but you know fundamentally they, they obviously did a lot of work on the car and, and he had to adapt a little bit but yeah good comeback from him and yeah i think uh i don't think there's too many big problems at toyota and i think over the course of a season i still you know prefer their driver lineup um in terms of the drivers that are doing the whole championship to m sports even if m sport have the better cars so I think we're, I think we're finally poised, and it's going to be a really interesting season in terms of that battle. Happy days, Trev. Before we, before we move on to, um, just by the way, folks, we're not going to, we're not purposely staying away from from WRC two um, or Rally two, whatever you want to call it. We're actually going to do all the bits and pieces of the other championship next week, um, and we've got a couple of other guests as well already uh, recorded from the weekend. So yes, yeah, so that's why we've not, uh, we've not tipped our toe into dare I say R5 uh, and get shot down by the FIA so there you go it's not it's not it's not because you couldn't remember what the name of the class was then uh, no it wasn't oh, at good. all that's good then that's yeah. good then that's, that's just that eye rolly meme that's just happened yeah. there that one where yeah. you go yes um, yeah. Yeah. and 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 while you're speaking Jack Bengen, um we've you've been heckled via Twitter as a direct message to me oh, by, by, by a man who used to be quite regular in this parish uh, Gary Boyd and okay. he wanted to suggest a podcast uh, discussion topic, driver loyalty. Um, please explain um, uh, about driver not selected. So he took a screen grab of your fantasy team. Um, <laughs> and um, I think what he's getting at, Jack. That I didn't uh, have Sebastian Loeb. Yes. Yeah, he didn't have Sebastian yeah. Why was he not in your dream team? Well, I went for... I went for the drivers who were doing the whole season, just thinking that, you know, they were going to, I don't really know what I was thinking in that sense, but I, I was thinking I'll go for the drivers who are doing the whole season because they're going to be, you know, uh, I, I just talked myself into an argument because you could argue that Loeb and Ogier obviously had nothing to, nothing to lose and could push for the win. Um, but I went with the drivers who were fighting for the championship because they need the points. So uh, I talked myself into going with the drivers who, who were doing the championship as opposed to the, the one-offs. So you know, I made a bad call there. Do you know this conversation that you're having now, right, almost with yourself, where we're kind of like bystanders and all this, I can imagine you in your local Starbucks getting your proper mochaccino. No, I don't um, like Starbucks. Okay, in, in your Costa, other other places are available. Um, and you're actually sat there looking at your phone, doing your choices, having that conversation in your head. <laughs> you, you, you think that much thought goes into my fantasy WRC team? <laughs> no, no, when I say out loud, no, I don't. No, no I don't. There we go. 
Um, right, we're, we're at that point. So yeah, so we will be back next week, as I say, with the with the roundup of the other championships and as I say some of the guests as well. But um, we'll get that point now of any other business. Have you all brought your any other businesses this week? Ryan Champion. Yes, I have. Have you, Jack Bennion? Yep. Okay, uh, and Trevor Ganum. Yep. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, uh, and if you would like to go first, Ryan Champion. Well, first I'm getting, I'm just getting visions of Penty Ricker out of the window because I'm watching a thin air A350 load up. <laughs> so um, I got to think of Penty with his thin air badge on his on his overalls. Uh, and and sticking in Finland, uh, one of our our listeners, Antti, put out a, a poll after Rally Monte Carlo, which I thought was quite interesting. He did. Um, he said, so given that we've now got the uh, the Rally One rules for, for three years with with hybrid, what should follow on? And and obviously the, the thing that, that came out of that was that people were keen to stay with the Rally One hybrid rules. And I guess that was on the back of a successful rollout in Monte Carlo where people were probably pleasantly surprised by what they saw, performance of the cars, the uh, relative re- reliability of them. Uh, you know, they sounded good, they looked good and all the rest of it. Uh, I can't help think in three years' time, that uh, a combustion engine with hybrid is is going to be out of date. I mean, uh, Formula One have had it already for for six years. Toyota have been selling the Prius for, what, 28 years or something? Um, and I just can only think that the WRC needs to move on further and look further ahead. And I just wondered what your thoughts were. Um, I think we know what Trevor's are. Coal. <laughs> Coal power. That's next. Yeah. It's been out of fashion for a while now. I think someone needs to bring it back. Yeah. Or oh, pedal. Pedaling coal. <laughs> there you go. This hybrid. Pedaling coal. <laughs> um, I'm going to let Trevor Agnew this, this, have this one. Because this uh, will be a sermon. This will be a sermon. It's not. You know, I've, there's no point in me repeating all the things I've done in the past. Maybe for new listeners, but it's just. I don't know, five miles, five kilometers in hybrid, and that's three years. That's as good as it's going to get. Uh, and then we're going to go who knows where after that. I'd like to think there's going to be a little bit more sense. Clearly, if they want to go with manufacturers, and again, do manufacturers use motorsport to promote their products? Who knows? We need to ask them. I don't think anybody has. Okay. No, very, very valid point. Um, Jack Bengen, are you sticking with coal? <laughs> I do think hybrid suits the, the WRC in a way, um, you know, with the, the on-stage, off-stage aspect of things. Um, so I think with, as Trev said, the, the current, you know, duration is not really um, worthwhile or acceptable. But if we can get to somewhere where, you know, we're doing significant kilometres on, on, on the electric, then that's great. But, yeah, I think, as Trev said, the, the problem is we don't really know. Uh, well, we know where the car industry is going, so uh, do we do we reflect that and hope to keep manufacturers in the sport, or do you uh, go in a different direction and just uh, you know kind of gamble everything and hope that they follow? It's uh, it's a, it's a tricky one that all motorsport has to uh, kind of evaluate at the minute. Trevor Agnew, you any other business? Um, uh, just a, a tip of the hat to Benny Velas. Every the focus was on uh, Isabel Galmish over the weekend. I think Benny did a fantastic job as well, getting into that, replacing, getting into the shoes of, of Julian uh, to sit alongside Ogier and to almost win uh, your first World Rally with in a manufacturer team and being Monte Carlo would have been an incredible thing and he sort of I think got left behind in all of the emotion which is understandable but just a little tip to him because clearly he did a, a tremendous job as well 
very much so very much so uh, Jack Banging you're any other business I, I mirror totally what Trev said I think that's really important to, to raise his performance um, Trevor's performance as well it's been brilliant on this podcast uh, <laughs> A, <laughs> A uh, Francois Delacour's recce car and B, I have, I have, I have noticed on the sweet. I'm, I'm jumping forward to Sweden already, but on the entry list is a certain pair, Gunnar Anderson, in a in a Rally Two Fiesta, and I think it might be his first WRC event since 2013. Wow! And I'm quite excited to, if that is if that is the case, and I'm not wrong. Uh, I'm quite excited to see his comeback after being so famous for, famous for driving a proton over the years I, I know he drove the I don't I don't I, I don't think you're wrong I don't think you're wrong because because um, I, I actually was messaging him the other night about Fantastic. something completely different what did and, he have to say uh, and he said well uh, he said that he said that um, it, I was actually trying to get him to uh, to uh, uh, a well-known um, winter driving school in Sweden to see if he'd come <laughs> up there and uh, he said he'd have a look but it'd have to fit in around Rally Sweden so uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a definite that he's there Piggy, piggy, piggy. Yeah, okay, there you go. Um, mine, very quickly, is um, goodbye to MIG. MIG 2592, my little R2-1600, uh, departed and is over in Ireland now, and she went last week. And good luck to whoever the new owner ends up. Um, fantastic car, and I wave you a, a tearful goodbye because I loved you. But there you go, and you gave Make me sure some you fantastic results. Ha- Make sure you dip the clutch when you handbrake that car. <laughs> It doesn't know any other way. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we'll be back after this break with Rich Milner. (laughs) This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. Thanks to the boys at the top for being kind and understanding and Jack Bengen for taking the mick as ever. Went in the any other business. Very kind. But there you go. Um, uh, the man that is just getting over diesel fumes, I thought we'd reach out to uh, because he decided to go and do the breaststroke in Monaco Harbour. Um, Rich Milner, welcome to Absolute Rally. It's been a while. Thank you. Yeah, it's a while, but uh, you know, always a pleasure to come on, especially after this weekend we've just had. I can well imagine. Well, listen, we'll 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 do all the sensible stuff first, right? Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Did you? What did you allow yourself to dream of the week before Monty? Uh, some sleep, but uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. So <clears throat> no, I think look. It's been it's been really quite a pressurised build up to that rally. Um, probably in the last the last three to four months have been have been very very busy. Um, you know, not only every every person in the company had their own dramas to deal with. Um, and I think it, it was just the culmination of everyone pulling together to make it happen. Uh, get that get those cars to the rally and and then do what we did was possibly the best way to repay everyone we could ever have hoped for. Um, so we're still living on the uh, uh, on the crest of that wave, um, but uh, in the back of mind, you know, you know that Sweden's not too far away either. We need to capitalise on the back we started with. But um, yeah, to win Monty with uh, another set of new technical regulations is is pretty incredible and something we're all really, really proud of. Right, in, earlier in the podcast, I talked about that record, and 
uh, funny enough, talking about big companies and small companies. And I've worked for big companies and I'm very lucky now I own a smaller company. But the analogy was be used to me by a client of ours many years ago was you, you guys are like a speedboat. The big companies like a cruise liner. You guys change direction very, very quickly and you're very agile. We go through big companies and it takes a long time to do stuff. And I kind of used that analogy a little bit when I was talking to Trevor Agnew earlier in the podcast with regards to M Sports success out of the box like that. You know, the fact that you're there, Malcolm's there, and effectively the decision makers are almost on site all the time. Is that what the difference is or am I just overthinking it? No, I think there's certainly an element of that. Um, you know, ultimately we can't, whatever people think and whatever people comment, we can't do this without Ford. Uh, and the guys in Ford in Europe and Ford Performance are a key part of what we've managed to build, um, especially with the introduction of hybrid, because the technology is, is a little bit beyond what anyone can do on its own. So there was a partnership required for that. But in terms of making the quicker, many, many smaller decisions as needed, um, the advantage of, of having both Malcolm myself and the rest of the team on site concentrating fully on the rally program, being able to do a lot of the smaller stuff and, and react quickly and and not have to go through being a change of commands is is really quite key to what we can do. Uh, we can react so fast to everything. But, you know, ultimately, we, we also started developing this car probably 12 months earlier than everybody else because we were aware that, you know, this was our best opportunity to showcase what we can do again. Um, and we didn't have the operating budget to do a full uh, development program on the Fiesta at the end of last year and in conjunction run the Puma and develop the Puma. So we decided to switch to, to fully focusing on these new regulations and it seems to have paid off. But, you know, there's a, yeah, the flexibility of M Sport is fantastic and allows us to do a lot. But again, there is still this element of requiring assistance from, from Ford and Ford Performance and, and the two together is what's allowed us to create what we have. Is that, you know, obviously last year was a tough year for, for, for you guys. I think it's well documented. But knowing... <laughs> Knowing knowing what was going on in the background, is that I'm guessing that's what got you through? I think that's what motivated everybody. Um, but at the same time, running a dual test program, which all teams are doing, to be fair, was also a huge hurt on resources. You know, trying to do testing for 12 rounds of WRC last year, plus 30 extra days of testing for a new car this year, and homologation process, and securing new drivers, uh, and all the commercial elements that go with it it was it was one of those years that was the toughest one of the toughest um, but you know I, th- I thought that probably midway through last year we were starting to make really good progress the car was looking great we were out testing ahead of everybody else you know we had partners just in discussions with partners with people like Red Bull Safety Culture obviously Ford in terms of how we can bring uh, some budget together to, to give us the best team because you know you can develop the best car but if you don't have good drivers then then it's irrelevant. So you know, I could see all the little pieces of the puzzle coming together. We started speaking with Craig towards the start of last year, um, knowing that he would be a, a really good opportunity and a person to have in the team. And like I say, as the year went by, you could just see everything coming together. It gave you a bit of a good feeling about what we could do. And then kind of out of nowhere, the Sebastian Loeb story came along with, with discussions that, that uh, myself, Malcolm and Red Bull were having. Um, and there was an idea thrown about to see if you would be interested in competing. Um, long story short, it went to the 11th hour, but we got it done and we got it agreed. 
Um, and, you know, big thanks to, to all his other partners, ProDrive, who were allowed him to come and, um, you know, do WRC as well as his other commitments. Um, and everything just came together. And then we went back to Garland, and um, somebody we'll be talking about for, for years and years to come, I would hope. You mentioned signing up drivers there, but we will talk about the aforementioned Sebastian Loeb first, because I'm a little bit older than you, but we've known each other a long time. But throughout that period of time, we've known each other. Loeb was dominating. He was, you know, he, he, he was the man. And then suddenly we fast forward onto 2022, your team principal. And this, um, diminutive small Frenchman walks through the door. How was that? It's all a bit surreal. Um, <laughs> the fact I have his telephone number in my phone is, is the bit that keeps, <laughs> keeps getting me every time. It's a bit odd to have that there. And he replies to my WhatsApps, which is even better. <laughs> he doesn't just ignore me. I actually get the blue ticks, the postage is grey ones. Um, but, you know, it, to, to, to have the opportunity to work with someone like him is kind of a bit surreal. Um, and I think, you know, judging from what people have said and, and everything, there was a lot of people at the weekend before Monty started that would openly admit they weren't huge Sebastian Loeb fans. And by the end of the weekend, they've all done a complete U-turn and now think he's the, the, the most amazing thing ever. And to be fair, he is, you know, what he achieved. Um, you know, I think just the way he acts, the way he is, how cool he is, you know, he's just a really cool guy. He can do what he wants and he just comes across as proper cool. But, uh, you know, he... he He's very easy to look after. There's nothing I can tell him that's going to change the way he works. You know, the only thing we could do is from a team perspective is to make sure we're giving him the best kind of um, assets and, and help that we can to, to do a good job. You know, In terms of the driving preparation for the event and knowing how to do Monte Carlo, uh, there's nobody in the team that can, that can do it better than he can. Uh, but it was a real pleasure to work with him. And uh, yeah, I would hope that we could do more in the future, but at the minute it was a one-off. Um, but we'll we'll be working on things to see what could be done for the rest of the season. It, I, I think uh, you know. I, I think there's, there's there's definitely the M Sport effect because of course the other Sebastian went through a massive popularity spike the moment he put on some M Sport overalls as well. Um, do you think you know going back to that speedboat cruise line analogy? Do you think there's there's an element of that the underdog? I think everyone loves an underdog. Um, I don't think. I, well, sorry, I don't like being compared to as the ones that are always looking for attention or looking for support or looking for sympathy. You know, we know what situation we're in um, and we do our best with that, with what we have available. Um, but it's it kind, kind of nice to go and back up what we knew is possible um, and get those kind of results. You know, you've got to remember we got first, third and fifth. So um, we probably could have got a, a, another car in that top five if, if Adrian hadn't had the accident. But... Um, you know, I think it just goes to show we are capable of doing everything we know we can. Um, but there are huge amounts of fans and support out there for us, which is lovely to see. And, and I think having not been at the races in some ways in the last two years compared to where we were in 17 and 18, it's been hard for everybody, hard for everyone in the team. But the amount of messages we've received, certainly myself and Malcolm, I must have had 200 varying messages over WhatsApp, um, messages in email and stuff. So Malcolm the same and, you know, far and wide, you look on Twitter, there's all sorts of people commenting about us. It's been such a huge kind of response. It's been great. So anybody that's listening, I haven't replied to them. I can only apologize because I'm still trying to keep up. If uh, just, just going back to Adrian's accident, obviously Adrian, fine. 
how about the car? Because that was that's like the first that was the first big test for any of the cars, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, everybody had thirty days worth of testing um, yeah. to do, but it's always the same. You always get things happen that you haven't planned testing. You're not expecting something strange goes on, um, and we knew that would happen. But uh, we didn't. We weren't a team to go without its difficulties during the weekend. Um, you, know, you may have seen the piece on WRC about um, some extra people that we had to get in very last minute to fly over from UK and collect parts in various places in Europe and get them to us. And you know, it all just goes along with part and parcel of the debut of a new car. Um, but it's a huge team effort to get to that point. And I think um, you know we we managed to pull it together and, and make it work. And and that's why we find ourselves where we are now. But. Um, there'll be other stuff to come, you know. That was tarmac rally, so when we go to gravel and snow, so there'll be other things that will happen that we didn't see in testing. But you just got to be prepared to be able to react to that and solve those problems as and when they come along. Absolutely. Listen, uh, I'm conscious of time, and I really do appreciate your time. Did you make sure you got the TN for, for for Craig for the rest of the year? It is on the truck, isn't it? It's on the truck, but I yeah. certainly don't make it for him. No, no. I, I, all, all, all drivers are dealers, so they can do it themselves. Absolutely. One man, <laughs> one man. Grounded, absolutely, you've got to keep them grounded. But one man who is absolutely giddy, who we have to, and we've talked about him already in the pod, but uh, a friend of the podcast, I've known him for a good few years now, and I've got, I, I love him to bits, I really do, is Gus. And Gus getting yep. that stage time was just it was epic. to see, you know. It was, you know, to be to be waiting for Sebastian Loeb to come through to see if he can beat your time is one thing, but to get it uh, to get it and see the the emotion on his face, which was which was real, you know, there was yeah. absolutely nothing made up about that. I think that's what's so fantastic about it. You know, he he didn't know it was being filmed, he didn't know that was being recorded, and then and then you see this video of him and how much it meant to him um, and to his dad. You know, there'd been a lot of hard work and. I've always stood up for Gus. I think he's had a lot of a lot of unnecessary and unfair criticism on on the internet, um, and it just goes to silence the critics. And um, you know, I could say in the words of Al Valtteri Bottas did it, but I won't. But uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's nice to finally show that he's definitely capable of mixing it. And it's just a hard it's a hard level to get to to be to be competitive all the time in WRC at the top level. That's, you know, they're the best drivers in the world. So it's not like any of us can go in there and do that, which I think a lot of people seem to think they can. So um, it was fantastic to see him do it, and it was fully deserved. Uh, just one last one. Just we, Obviously, we, we, in all seriousness, with Craig coming back and obviously with Gus being there, how important is it? And I know you've only ever been at M Sport, really, but how important is it to have people like Gus and Craig? Because, of course, Craig grew up at, with M Sport, um, you know, some people know that, some people don't, um, who kind of get it. You know, we talk about cultures these days. Culture is such a big kind of thing now. You listen to any kind of, you know, businesses and stuff like that. They all talk about cultures. But one thing's for sure, when I think of rally teams, there's definitely an M-Sport culture. How important is it for, for M-Sport to have drivers that get M-Sport? I think it's a, it's a big part of how well you do when you have a good team spirit. Um, you know, that helps a lot. And, when times are good, it's pretty easy to have a good team spirit, if I'm honest. Um, it's when the times are tough that it becomes more tricky. Um, and I think we've been that for a, through that for a few years. Um, and people like Gus is fully aware of that um, and, and knows that this team is trying its hardest, every single person is trying its hardest to deliver what 
what can help them. Um, and I think Craig gets that as well. You know, Craig's been through the ups and downs of, of WRC politics and having full programs, or not full program WRC, but part program WRC, full programs with other manufacturers in WRC2 or whatever. He's driven all these different cars. You know, he knows what it takes as well. And, and I think everybody knows that M-Sport is his full commitment is about WRC and rally. That's what the company was built around. Um, and a lot of us are fans. You know, I always go off and say that I oh, will look at the, what happens at the sport at weekends from a fan perspective because regardless of if we'd have won or not the weekend, you know, what a great story that was for the sport in terms of getting people in and interested. Again, it comes down to the last stage. If, if Seb Ogier hadn't had his 10-second penalty, we were talking a 0.5-second gap between first and second after three hours of driving. On Monte Carlo roads, you know, tell me, tell me a sport that's closer than that in motorsport. You know, we, we do have one of the best series that's, that's around. Um, and I think having drivers and teams that understand it and, and know, you know, where we're at and there's comments about the hybrid introduction. Was it the right way to go? Was it the right technology? Is it relevant? Blah, blah, blah. Lots of these comments. But we've got a sport that is so exciting. Um, and we've only just began a three-year homologation cycle. So can't wait to keep it going. And, and hopefully these drivers and the team that we've got will really uh, ensure that we have a close and an exciting season. Rich, I'm going to let you go. And that is a perfect place to stop. You need some rest. You need a drink. Um, and you, 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 I you've got. A drink. I think I'll be on the floor. So <laughs> Listen, congratulations to you and everybody at Emsport, folks. That has been absolute rally for this week. We'll be back same time, same place in the podcast hall next week. Absolute rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.